Good morning, Vineyard Virtual Family. So glad to have you with us. We're getting ready here to go. And uh, it was a great night last night, so we're looking forward to this morning. Now that you're here, we're ready to go with that. And, uh, oh, you got a treat. Pastor Billy is preaching today. So uh, it was great last night. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, here we go. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And How you doing? Pretty good. Coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Hope you guys are enjoying yours. I'm going to tell you what we will be attempting to do this morning in the event that you did not know. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is home from his world tour, so he'll be leading us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. We had a really great time last night. Looking forward to spending it with you again. After worship, Pastor Virginia will come up, lead any kids who are here or watching online through a Bible verse. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Billy. Before we do any of that, why don't we pray? Come, Holy Spirit. Settle on us, Papa. We love your presence. We're so eager to see what you're going to do in us today. Help us to draw closer to you, Father. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Guard your church, O Lord, with your perpetual mercy. And because in our weakness we cannot stand without you, keep us from all that may harm us and lead us toward all that is beneficial for our now and forever life in you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Chaplain Doug. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, On the night he was betrayed... Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table, or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal. The bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We are going to enter into our time of worship now and i would encourage us all to sing out and to participate in this time if you're joining us online please do the same sing out in your living rooms chat hallelujah amen all that good stuff type go dolphins in the chat i'd appreciate that little dolphins emoji there Uh, if we're in the room now i can hear you guys join us so please lift your voices we'll see the words pop up on that screen behind us and up top and uh Anyway, let's sing How Great Thou Art, Lord.
restore our hunger, increase our wonder of you. Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever.
I'm a wonderfully made. You're an artist and a part. I'm the canvas and the clay. And I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You're an artist and a part. I'm the canvas and the clay. that you would be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. God, use those words to stir up our hearts towards you. Holy Spirit, I would ask that you bless those working with our children at this service at 9, 30, and 11. God, give them everything that they need. Anoint them to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the kiddos a Bible verse? Good morning, everyone. Okay, I don't see... Oh, I see Carly or Charlie. <laughs> oh, okay, well... All right, well, today I'm very excited because the kids are going to continue to learn about creation. And they learn to have what got created... The heavens and the earth, the skies, the sun, the moons, the birds in the air, the beautiful sea creatures, and then the land creatures on the sixth day. But on the sixth day, he also created us. He created people. And he, and out of everything that God created, he loved us most. And I want the little ones to understand that God made them extra special. He made them different than anything that he created. He made them to be like him, right? Like to bear his image. And that's a big deal. And I want the little ones to understand that just like God loves, God creates, God thinks, and God rules, we do the same. We love, we create, right? And I want the little ones to understand that, that they have 
um, that they were, they're just fearfully, just like the song said, fearfully and wonderfully made. So I'm so excited for them. So we're going to do Genesis 127, and it says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. That's so important. So if you guys want to say it with me, that would be awesome. Okay, ready? All right. God created man. In his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Awesome. Good job, Pastor Steve. I heard you. Okay, let's pray for our kids. Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord God, that you just didn't create us, Lord God. You fearfully and wonderfully created us, Father. We are your masterpiece, Lord God. And I pray that all your children, Father, will walk in that, Lord God. I pray that your children, Lord God, will just know that they are the portable presence of you, Lord God. Wherever they go, there you are, Lord God, to empower them, to help them, Lord God, to encourage them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Amen. Welcome to the Vineyard. Very glad to have you here this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you here as well on an early Sunday morning. Uh, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, um, don't forget to sign in back at guest services, okay? There's a gift for you, and it hooks you into our little digital connect card. And so um, that would be great if you would do that. And... Uh, Baptism is this Saturday. I know it was on the announcements. I like to just say it personally. You, baptism is a big deal. Uh, you need to be baptized if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you haven't been baptized. I call that a biblical non-negotiable. It needs to happen. Other people will come and get baptized because they don't remember their baptism. And I'm not getting into a whole theological thing here. I always tell people it's such a powerful memory. If you don't have a memory, you may want to consider coming out and making a memory. Uh, it's a great memory out there. Bay of Honda will be out there from 9 to 10. We'll do a little music. And um, and I'll talk about baptism a little bit, and then we'll baptize everybody goes. As as I looked the other day, there's already 13 people uh, signed up to get baptized. So, very cool. Uh, If you want to get baptized, let us know. Find me, find Pastor Georgina, somebody, and get your name in there. Don't forget that As You Go Pray is on the app. It's a new uh, outreach that we started, and we're trying to get everybody involved. Just praying for the houses right around you. And... uh, if you want to do that, uh, there's little uh, magnets on the way out that if you pray for a house, you can just stick somewhere on the fence or somewhere appropriate. Let them know that we're praying for them. And so please um, do that. That would be great. With that in mind, let's, uh, let's just pray for our community, okay? So before I pray, would you just sort of focus in on, the, on your neighbors, on the people right around you who live right around you, on the, on the homes? Uh, and Lord, we lift up our community to you. We ask, God, you would do a mighty work. We ask that, that in this time of anxiety and, and uh, stress that's going around, that, that people would get a sense of your presence. That you would, Lord, help us to be a light into the world around us and to make a difference, Lord, in our neighbors' lives and in our communities by introducing them to you. And so we lift all of this up to you, God, and ask that you would have your way in it. And also, on this weekend, as we remember the events of 20 years ago, We ask, God, that your peace would be upon 
all those who, uh, really all of us, God, had our lives changed at that moment, and some obviously far more drastically than others. Let your peace and your presence come and minister to those people today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, treat for you guys today. Pastor Billy, my buddy, amen. Pastor Billy, is going to share the word with us today. Hey, buddy. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get out of the way and let you go. Give me a Amen. Thank you, Steve. Oh, no, Uh-oh. not again. Let's see. Once again, yeah, I've got it unmuted. Douglas, one, two, Billy's one, mic two, isn't one, working. Two, one, two, one, two. Where'd he go? He's going to have to talk really loud. Check or, one, two, one. There, there it goes. Go. Awesome. Thank you so much. I was going to have to translate for you. Yeah, I was going to do sign language and let you do that. Yeah. I'll do interpretive dance and let you translate. Okay, never mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, guys, you know what? It, it's really interesting because there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we, a lot of us, don't know about in reference to the sound people, the lighting people, the video people. Can we give them a round of thank you this morning? They literally, I mean, they get here early. They stay late. There's so much that goes on. There's glitches that happen. And uh, some of them you're aware of. Some of you know, you're not because, you know, they cover so well. But whether they're really, really appreciated. Um, it's always a pleasure to be able to come and, and stand here. I, I, don't you love Pastor Steve and Pastor Alice? I mean, it's just amazing um, to have them as our leaders. And uh, so when Steve asked me to preach, I was really excited about it, actually, um, wasn't sure what to preach because uh, I used to preach every Sunday because I was a, I was a pastor myself. And then when you get the one chance, you have about 80 sermons in your heart because you've been, you know, just dealing with things that God's doing. So I, I, I have about 47 pages today. So just be paid. And no, I'm kidding. The face, your faces were then never mind. That was cracking me up. Angie and I, you may not know this. We live in Fort Lauderdale. We actually drive down every weekend and, and back. And it's for business. And then our family's in Texas. So we fly out of the airport there uh, quite often. But uh, we come down every weekend. So it's, it's interesting because up there we just joined the gym. And uh, <laughs> I could tell you stories, but we did join a gym up there. And it's one of these gyms that offers these private training classes. They're called HIT. H-I- and it feels like you got hit afterwards. But it's H-I-I-T. So it's high-intensity interval training. And it's all kinds of stuff. And you've got this coach and this music, and it's going crazy. And, you know, we're everybody there is like 30 years old. And Angie and I are like 35. Um, <laughs> And so it's just an insane time together, you know, and a matter of fact, I was telling Alice and Steve the other night at dinner, the first night we, the first day we went, we walked there because it's like a half hour from the house and we walked home because we thought we would be extra exercisey, you know, so we walked home, but we were doing so many curls and all kinds of stuff with these weights and we haven't lifted weights in a long time. So we're walking home and I told Angie, I said, I can't even straighten out my arms. I was walking home like this. I literally couldn't straighten my arm. Oh, well, anyway, you don't care about that. Um, why do I tell you that? I, I let you know because I could go into that gym and I could look at all of the equipment and admire it. And it would be it'd be kind of interesting. I could actually take notes about the equipment, you know, go and read the instructions on each thing. And they've got little instructions on what to do at every station. And I could take notes on that. That would be interesting. They've got this music that's just really getting you pumped up to work out. You know, it's just going and going and going, you know, and it really gets you feeling like you could do it even though you can't. But it makes you feel like you can. I could go in there. I could listen to the music and it would be awesome. And I go, that's pretty cool. But listen, all of that stuff, if I stayed there an hour and did that and left, it would do me no good. Because you've actually got to engage what is offered. And if you don't engage what is offered, then it really doesn't do anything. 
So um, I, I say that this morning because I think sometimes at church we come and we kind of fall into the same trap if we're not careful. Because we can be very familiar with our surroundings and the experience. And when we're familiar with the surrounding and the experience, sometimes we miss the encounter. And, and I don't want you to miss the encounter. And I don't want to miss the encounter. I was thinking earlier as we were worshiping, which, by the way, awesome, guys, that was just amazing. And as we were worshiping, I kept thinking, isn't it funny that every one of us in this room, we showed up today, but we didn't realize that God had it on his calendar that we would be here this morning. Now, you think about that. That means that he's got something for you. Why would God have you here this morning if he didn't have anything for you? Because it's not about admiring the lights, although they're awesome. It's not about admiring or listening to music, although it's amazing. It's about encountering him. I mean, you come and you meet Pastor Steve and you'll be happy you did, but he can't change your life. Jesus can. And listen, some people walked in this morning and you may not have ever met Jesus. And we want you to know today is your time to meet him. I met him when I was about 29. Well, actually, I met him when I was young and then I met him again. And it's a long story. What I mean by that is I had another encounter with him that was so real at 29 years old that radically changed my life. I was baptized as a believer at nine in a Baptist church in San Antonio, Texas. I'll never forget it. It was awesome. But boy, I tell you, he's got he's had so many encounters this past week. I was thinking over and over again and spent a long time one night just in prayer going back over the history of my life thanking him for the times he met me over and over again just youth camps and vacation bible schools and revival services and tent revival services and you name it you know all these years i'm so thankful for my heritage if you grew up in church like i did you need to be thankful for your heritage because a lot of people in this room did not have that privilege and that's a, that's a privilege to be able to grow up with the kind of mom and dad that I, that I had that had me go to church. Um, hey, guys, listen, we can come in and we can have coffee and we can be comfortable with the coffee and think, wow, baby's coffee, this is awesome. And we can come in here and see our friends and we can come in and hear the message and listen to the music, the whole thing, and that's awesome. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, it describes itself as active and alive. It's active and alive. What that means is if we take this word and we put it in our hearts and we hide it, as as King David said in one of his psalms, we can hide it in our hearts. If we hide it in here, if it's active and alive, then it's going to bring something alive inside of us and activate something inside of us as well. So sometimes I think I can find myself guilty of coming and crossing my arms and saying, okay, God, I dare you to bless me. Instead, this morning, I want to open up my heart and say, God, come, you know, have your way, whatever you want. I make room for you like the song we were singing earlier. Amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Yeah, you better be ready. Listen, I titled this message. Get ready. Get set. Go. Uh, the reason I said that is Steve for 20 something weeks was telling us, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. We're like, all right, already. All right, already. Hey, that should have been another sermon. There's another outro. All right, already. <laughs> yeah, all right, already. And so we had all these get readies and boy, what a preparation series that was. But listen again, it doesn't do any good. If you were working out and jogging and getting ready for a race and you were so excited and man, your, your hamstrings were in shape and your calves were in shape and you went and bought new shoes and then you get to the starting line and there's the guy with the gun and everybody's ready to go and you get all get ready, get set and the gun goes off and everybody takes off and you just stand there. What good is that? So my encouragement today is we're going to look at the word and find something that I hope, I hope that it stirs something in us so that we say, you know what? Get ready, get set, go. All right. All right. Matthew chapter six. I'm going to read this to you. 
Um, by the way, just to let you know, when, when our coach told us about doing lunges, you know what lunges are? You know, I hate, you know, those lunges like that. I did learn that if I started doing lunges, it was a giant step forward. Now, that was really pretty good. And I kind of slid it in there in the sermon, you know, and it was, you know, <laughs> these blank faces like, what in the world are you talking? The giant step forward in my exercise. Okay, never mind. All right. It's not going to work. Well, I did find out that somebody told me there are 26 letters in the alphabet. And I found out I realized I only knew 25. I don't know why. But. All right. Now, that got a little better reaction. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. This is when Jesus is asked by the disciples to teach us to pray. Jesus says this in verse 9 and 10. I'm only going to read these verses. By the way, this is another. Listen, we could all quote this Lord's Prayer, pretty much every one of us in this room. And I think because we could quote it, it becomes very familiar. And because it's very familiar, it could lose its impact. Uh, Angie and I have, you know, those of you who have been married a while, Angie and I have been married 40 years this past July. Some of you have been married probably longer or as long. Those of you who that is the case, you could stand and you could say this. Listen, in a marriage, if you don't keep it fresh, it can lose its significance. If you become very familiar with that partner, that partner loses value in your heart. So you've got to do things to keep it fresh, do things to keep it alive, do things to keep it moving. Does that make sense? So what we're going to do is, even though we're going to read a very familiar passage, I don't want it to come across as familiar. I want it to come across as fresh and as new for all of us in this room, okay? So Jesus says, when you pray, he instructs us to say this. Say this with me. Come on. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Let's stop there. Let's say it again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say that again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, just say the first two words. Say that again. Do you know that that is a profound introduction to that prayer? That is an amazing truth for us to grab a hold of. That Jesus came into this earth not just to save us from sin. Yes, he came to save us from sin. But the reason he came to save us from sin was to bring us back into relationship with Father. Jesus, in essence, if he's saying that one pronoun is a transforming pronoun, our Father. Jesus is inviting us into the kind of relationship that he had with his Father. As a child relates to a papa, as a child relates to a dad. That is one of the reasons the enemy tries so hard to attack fatherhood in the world, not just the church, in the world. You know, it's epi- fatherlessness is epidemic in the world, it's around the globe. Years ago, Angie and I had the privilege of going and doing a pastor's retreat in the Czech Republic. And we were teaching in Prague, a group of pastors and their wives. And uh, I was tasked with preaching a series uh, at that event on the orphan spirit and getting the orphan spirit, uh, delivering us from the orphan spirit and stepping into a relationship with father that would be important. And I would tell you that sitting there in Prague and teaching those pastors and those women and seeing the tears and the heartbreak of relationships with fathers, I thought, oh, my goodness, it's not just the United States thing. it's, It's across the globe. The enemy doesn't want us to understand what it is to have a relationship with father. 
I don't know about you. My dad, it's, it's different with my dad. My dad's a great man, a phenomenal man. He's just a great man of integrity, very quiet, um, kind of unlike me, but very quiet. But what's cool about, I mean, it's just amazing. I can, my dad is just a very loving guy, but my dad's not an affectionate guy. So I don't, I've never had a hug. I've never had an I love you. I've never had an I'm proud of you. Never, ever. And that's okay because he says it other ways, you know. Even the discipline that he brought to my brother and I in our life was an I love you. I see that now. But because of that, when I started relating to father as a son, as a child, I started relating, relating to father. Guess what kind of father he was to me? He wasn't affectionate. He never told me he was proud of me. It was, a, it was that kind of, it took a breakthrough in my life to come to the place where I really understood what kind of father he wanted to be to me. And it's not that I didn't have a great father. I do. But the best father in this room will never measure up to father God. So all of us have breakthrough moments that we're going to come to. So, and by the way, uh, this is all introduction stuff, and I said this last night, I'll say it again. I'm more worried about an outcome than an outline, so we'll see where we go. Is that all right? So, I will tell you this, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, in verses 9 and 11, there's two things that we're told. Um, one of it, it says that Jesus tasted death to bring many sons to glory. Jesus tasted death to bring many sons to glory. You see that invitation to a relationship with a child and a father? And it's called sons in Scripture. Don't think gender there. Think designation, okay? It could be sons and daughters. It's the word for sons in Greek, but in the context of what it's saying, it could be a son or a daughter, okay? So think of it that way. It also says in that verse, not only that he came and that he tasted death and that he he wanted to bring many sons and daughters, if you will, to glory. But it says that he is not ashamed to call us brothers. Adelphos in Greek. He's not ashamed to call us brothers. Brothers from the same womb is actually what that means in Greek. I mean, we're brothers, so we're children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. And again, don't think gender in the sense of son, because I'm going to mention son a lot this morning. Think designation. Okay, are you with me? Now, I'll tell you this. It's interesting to do that because um, in Scripture, fathers had, and I think this is on purpose. I know this is on purpose. In Scripture, fathers had such a phenomenal place because it's, again, pointing us to what kind of relationship we can have with father. Genesis chapter 35, we read about Jacob and Rachel. They're on their way from Bethel. They're going to Bethlehem. Rachel is pregnant. On the way, she starts to give labor. Some of you know the story. Uh, she actually loses her life in giving birth to this child. The maidservant is with Rachel. When Rachel has this baby, um, uh, the baby baby is born and because Rachel is sorrowful because she's having the baby and she knows she's going to die. She's not going to make it. And in the midst of that sorrow of that moment, she says, I want, she tells the maidservant, I want to name this baby Ben Oni. Ben means son. Oni means of sorrow. So out of her own sorrow, she was naming the moment. I want you to name the baby Ben Oni. Jacob, because in that day, in the culture of the day, fathers had naming rights. Uh Uh-oh, come on. You hear what I'm saying? Fathers have naming rights. So because the father had the naming right, he was able to look at that boy and say, you're not going to be Ben Oni. You're going to be Ben Jamin. Ben Jamin, son. You know what Jamin means? Ben, son. Jamin means of my right hand. It's a place of honor. It's a place of designation. And it's a place of significance. And some of you this morning have allowed a Rachel-like system to name you. 
a Rachel-like culture, a Rachel-like parent, a Rachel-like teacher. Angie and I founded a school in San Antonio for kids with learning differences. Years ago, it's still going. And one of the things about that school we learned when we first founded it, a lot of the kids that came in there, uh, they, were, they were all kind of diagnoses and all kinds of labels. And you name it on those kids, some of them had just been told they were stupid for so long. That's what they thought they were, and they weren't. Some of you in this room have been told you're a failure for so long. That's what you think you are. But I want you to know something, and this is very, very important. He's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. Hear me? So Jacob steps in and says, no, he's not going to be Ben-Oni. He's going to be Ben-Jamin, son of my right hand. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, this is awesome. This is the kind of father we have. This is amazing. Father says, listen, I know the plans I have for you. Some of you in this room don't realize he's got a plan. In Hebrew, that means a plan, an intention, and a purpose. I know the plans, the intentions, and the purposes I have for you. He has plans, intentions, and purposes. If you're listening online right now, I want you to know he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got an intention for you. And then it goes on to say this, that I, Father, would give you to give, he would give me, he would give you a future and a hope. What I love about that is the word for future. I'm going to give you a Hebrew lesson. You ready for it? Okay, so don't, you got to look at me because Hebrew, you have a lot of glutteral sounds and I don't want you spitting on your neighbor. Okay, so in Hebrew, I want you to say this word, aharit. Yeah, you got to do that. (laughs) Aharit, you got it? Aharit. It says, I give you a future and a hope. The word for future is actually the word acharit. Acharit, um, if there's so much of a picture, because Hebrew is a lot of picture to it, but not in, to get in the picture of it, but what it really means is a good ending. So Father comes along and he says, listen, I've got intentions for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. And I've got a good ending to your story. Because some of you right now, listen, I've been there before. I know what it's like to be in the middle of a story and you're in that crisis of the situation and you can't, you haven't read the last chapter. So you think things are going to end up like they are right now. You're living in the midst of your Ben-Oni and God says, no, I'm changing the name of this whole situation and it's going to be Benjamin. It's going to be significant in your life because it's going to change you. And when it's all said and done, like our worship said, all things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. All right. You with me? Okay. So we have a few minutes and I want to talk to you about sonship. And this is the ready, set, go. You've got to get a hold of this. Being This whole topic of being a son of God, a, a child of God, is one of my favorite topics in all the world. I preach on it probably more than any because it's just done more in my life than anything I can imagine. The first thing I want you to understand is a son has relationship. A son has relationship. I'm going to read for you out of Galatians Uh, Let me find it here. Galatians chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 26 and 27. For you, you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're a son of God. We are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, don't think gender, think designation. We're all sons of God. 
That word for sons, just real quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this at all, but it is an amazing word when you dive into it and see the history of it and the significance and the time frame of Jesus' day. It's the word for huia. It's the word huias in Greek. A huias was a son that had come to the place, usually about 30 years old, where he now stepped into a place where he could even take over the father's business. How old was Jesus when he stepped into his ministry? They asked him, what do you, he said, I got to be about my father's business when he was younger. At 30 years old, he gets baptized. The father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved huias. It was a de- designation of inheritance. So that's the place of the huias. This is, he says, you are all huias through faith in Jesus Christ. You've come to a place of inheritance, a place of honor. It goes on to say in verse 27, for all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. I love that because that word clothed is the Greek word in duo. The Greek word in duo means to be immersed in something so deeply and it's the substance you're immersed in is so thick that when you come out of it, the substance is on you and a part of you in such a way that you can't tell the difference between you and the substance. So I said last night, I thought about it, it kind of cracked me up when I said it, because I thought it's like being baptized into honey. Can you imagine our, our you know, we, my grandmother used to live in Louisiana and we would get this, this, what kind of syrup was that? This sorghum kind of thick, you know, black syrup and I love it. But man, if you got baptized in it and then come up and that stuff is, that it says you have all been in duo baptized into the honey of Jesus. You clothe with Jesus. Mm. So listen, I had a friend, spiritual father years ago. He's passed away now, but he's, he was from Britain. And he told this story. I'll tell it to you real quick. Uh, because he was from Britain, he had a lot of, and he was a very, very well-known scientist. And uh, I won't go into details, but he knew some important people. And he knew this one guy that had a, a, a compassion ministry that would go into India and Africa. And they would plant, uh, they would do agricultural work and dig wells to help the economy. And this, this friend of his needed some money for that compassion ministry, you know. And he actually got an audience um, with, uh, with the Duke. Uh, who was Prince Philip, and, and that's the, the husband of Queen Elizabeth II. And, he, and it was like to go in and, and you could present for 15 minutes, you could present your kind of your organization or your ministry to him. And if he said, you know what, that's good, you would get what was called royal patronage. And royal patronage meant that you now had access to a lot of money for your organization. So the guy had the opportunity to go in there and he had 15 minutes to go in and present this to the Duke. So he goes in and he's, you can imagine how much kind of preparation you would have done. And I would have done to you know do this so they call him in i think it was like four o'clock that afternoon and said it's your time to come on in so he goes in and he sits down with the duke and the duke says okay i want to hear so the guy begins his presentation he's not even like a minute or so into the presentation and through a side door young prince philip bursts the door open and runs in and he's about six years old at the time i'm assuming and he runs in and he says daddy 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 my toy is broken So the Duke looks at this guy that's presenting and says, excuse me, would you give me a few minutes? I have to attend to my son. And he picks his son up and he puts him in his lap and he works on the toy and works on the toy and finally gets it fixed and sets the toy, the, the, the young man on the ground. And he says, okay, go on. I've got to listen to this man. And Prince, Prince Edward runs out of the room. Prince Philip turns over to this guy and says, okay, I'm so sorry for that interruption, but I needed to take care of my boy. Now, listen, you only have 15 minutes. Now you only have six. What is, what is on your heart here? 
So this friend said he did the best job he could because he only had six minutes now. He made the presentation. He really, he got the royal patronage at the end of the story. I mean, that was a wonderful thing. But at the end, he later, a few weeks later, was talking to my spiritual father, Alan Vincent. And he said, Alan, I got to tell you something about that moment. The most profound lesson that I learned, there's a big difference between being a petitioner and being a son. We have relationship as a son of God. Daddy, daddy, something's broken. Come on in. Get in my lap. Some of you walked in today. You, you know, you've got some broken pl- I feel really burdened about this. Some broken places. Father loves you. You don't recognize, you don't recognize how much he loves you. How much he wants to take care of that broken place. And listen, sometimes we come to him and we have a broken place that's been broken for 40 years. We have a God that can fix 40 years in the moment of time. There's no time in heaven. So to him, you know, we sing that song, Amazing Grace. You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, there's no 10,000 years in heaven. It's just, you know, so we might say 40 years. God says, no, let's take care of it now. Boom. He wipes away 40 years and immediately something's healed. Amen. A son has relationship. A son has resources. I'm going to read Galatians 4. I'm going to read verse 1. I'm not going to read all the verses that I had planned just for time's sake. Verse 1 says, Now I say to you, as long as the heir is a child, everyone say child. The Greek word for child there is the word nepios. Everyone say nepios. Nepios. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ in any way from a slave, although he's the owner of everything. If the heir is a child... He's the owner of everything. Even though he's a child, he's still the owner of everything. But if let's say that that same Prince Edward was out back playing in the sandbox and one of the gardener's kids, the same age, maybe four or five, comes up. or Actually, nepios means without words. A child like a toddler without words. So let's say Prince Edward was two, playing in the sandbox. The gardener's kid, two years old, comes out to the sandbox. They start playing together. They're playing like two little two-year-olds. They're going to fight over a bucket. They're mine, 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 mine. And they're fighting over this bucket. Think about that. Prince Edward just re- doesn't realize who he is because he could own all the buckets in the kingdom. But because he's a child, he acts like the gardener's son because he doesn't know who he is, although he's the owner of everything. And I believe the church, we are flooded with those of us that many times live in the mindset of a nepios rather than a huias. We don't realize the resources we have in Christ. If someone sent Alice and Steve a letter and it said, this is a certified letter and not an email, Steve, because I know we all get these emails saying we get this kind of thing, but you'll see what I'm talking about with the certified letter. And it comes to Pastor Steve and it says, listen, um, I want to let you know you have an heir that died over in some place in Europe and this person had $157 million, this fortune, and in their will it said, give it to the nearest living relative. And after much research, we found out, Pastor Steve, that you're the nearest relatives so this 187 million dollars is yours and we've got it in a swiss banking account and we're just waiting your instructions and pastor steve looked at the letter and he goes oh my goodness he calls alice in the room and says alice look at this we've got 857 million dollars but i don't know how to access it so i tell you what rips it up throws it in the trash and says we're going to have to keep living like we're living all of us in this room would say that's crazy steve Let us help you get this $857 million. And remember how close friends we are after we help you get this $857 million. Listen, guys, we have vast resources. Listen, 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. This is one of my favorite verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Not who will bless us, not who might bless us, not who one day if you're lucky and you live a right life, who has an aorist passive tense in Greek, which means an event that happened in the past with continuing results. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. What amazing resources. Ready, set, go. Here's the next one. A son has responsibilities. And again, I keep saying this, and I can say it because Steve says it all the time. This is one of my favorite verses too. Steve has about 820, 857 million favorite verses. So this is Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, um, I'm going to read verse 19. It says, the anxious longing of the creation. Anxious longing. That is the uh, phrase in Greek that means with outstretched necks. Like, the anxious longing of creation. As they wait, as creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. You know what that word revealing means? It means unveiling of the sons of God. Creation is longing For the sons of God, for us in this room, to get it. Because when we get it, we start living like it. When we start living like it, things start changing. Our environment can change. Ready, set, go. We have responsibilities. Tell you real two quick stories and then we'll be through, okay? Um, So we're on a flight from Fort Lauderdale. We're heading to Texas to see our kids and grandkids. And we're sitting there and Angie, I can tell when she gets this look on her face that something's up, you know. And the plane's in the air and she's got that look on her face and... All of a sudden, she turns to this girl that happened to sit next to us, a young girl, probably 23, 24, and she said, hey, can I ask you a question? And the girl goes, sure, you know, because, you know, stranger talk, you know, it's stranger danger. And it's like, yeah. And Angie says, I was just praying and a name came to me. Does the name Allison mean anything to you? Well, this girl's eyes got as big as like saucers. And she says, well, my name is Allison. Now, Angie is on fire in that moment. You can imagine like, yes. And the girl says, she says to Angie, she said, you know what? She says, I go by Paige. That's my middle name. No one calls me Allison. That's my first name. And I kind of laughed. I thought, well, God calls you Allison. You know, so, so Angie began to look at her and, and minister to her heart. And, and the girl says at the end of the story, I'm going to go into all the details. At the end of the story, she says, I want to let you know. I have been for the past few months seeking and seeking and looking into meditation and all kinds of religion, asking, is God real? And that he would reveal himself to me. And Angie speaks into her life about the love of Jesus. We went to this restaurant called Lona Casina in Fort Lauderdale. We went for a table. They didn't have a table. I said, we'll sit at the bar. So we go to sit at the bar and we get in this corner thing. And Angie and I are just having a good time. We're laughing and we're joking and just being Angie and Billy or whatever. And I get up and I say, I got to go. I, I'm going to go around the corner because we we're going to look for somebody that we thought we knew. And I went around the corner. And when I came back, there was a guy. Angie was here. I was here. A guy was here. And this guy was looking at Angie and he was kind of talking to her, but he had a weird look on his face. So I sat down and he says, uh, he goes, how long? He said, have, 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 are you your first date? And we said, no. He goes, is this your second date? And we said, no. And I kind of laughed. I said, we've been married 40 years. 
And come to find out, this guy's name is Sean. Come to find out, he took a flight to Fort, Fort Lauderdale because he and his wife had just split and he needed to get away and his heart was broken. And he came to Fort Lauderdale and he did not know God, did not know Jesus. And he was sitting at that bar and he was saying, I didn't know if love could actually be real. And now I've met you guys. And he says, it's done something in my heart. We were able to... Sitting there, I said, Sean, we laughed with him and joked with him and kidded with him. And he said, give me some marriage tips. We gave him some <laughs> marriage tips, you know. He said, I don't know, just do what she says and you'll be good, you know. <laughs> Give him some marriage tips, whatever. And um, so we're just giving him some marriage tips and stuff and we're laughing about things. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, Sean, listen, here's what it boils down to. I said, we're followers of Jesus Christ. And I said, and I, began, I don't go into details. I began to share the gospel with Sean. Tell him about Jesus' love for him. And Sean's in tears, bawling in tears at the bar. This was just a few weeks ago. Why do I tell you that? Because you'll never meet Allison and you'll never meet Sean. That's our realm of responsibility. That was our assignment for the days. I don't know your assignment. I never meet your people. We all have our own assignments. We all have our own responsibilities. We all have our own place of influence. Pastor Steve has this pulpit and the pulpit of his life. I have the pulpit of the business that I work in and the, the chaplaincy that I kind of run and, and, and within the company. And I have the, the pulpit of my life. You have the pulpit of your life. You have a realm of responsibility that I can't touch. I have a realm that you don't touch. I meet a Sean and an Allison that you'll never meet. But you meet a Bill and a Joe that I'll never meet. But we all have to do our place to make a difference. Ready, set, go. So we get these little cards like Steve is saying and we, we pray for our neighbors because I, I don't live in your neighborhood. You don't live in my neighborhood. But we all have our realm of responsibility. And I want, I want to say this in an, an, an encouragement, not in any way is any condemnation. A good coach wouldn't look at somebody that's about to start a race and saying, come on, you're sorry, you're horrible, bam, go, that's horrible. I, I want to tell you, you know what, you're awesome, God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. You say, well, Billy, I don't have much time left, he's not finished with me yet, I'm 62, I'm just starting, I'm not kidding, I feel like I'm just starting. I'm not, he's not finished with me yet. I'm, I'm going to go down. You know, I used to play base. I was a big baseball guy. I used to play baseball all the time. One of my problems was I would strike out sometimes quite often because I, my dad was my coach. Then I went through all this, you know, growing up and I would swing too hard and I'd swing for the fence every time. And you can hit a lot of home runs that way. But you guys know that follow baseball. A lot of the home run champions are also the strikeout champions. And listen, I just told the Lord recently, I said, God, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm 62, but what the heck? I'm going to swing for the fence. I'm swinging for the fence. I'm, I'm uh, you know, and, and you too. I don't, come on now. We got to make a difference. You say, Billy, this world is, is just going downhill, you know, but why polish brass on a sinking ship? Oh, come on. Jesus loves this world. That's why we want to stand up and do something for this world. He loves your neighbors. He loves Sean. He loves Allison. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have Pastor Steve come up, and we're going to pray for you guys, okay? As he's coming up, I, I want to say, too, I, I really sense that, that 
that, that he's not finished with me yet. I know we kind of used it in the sermon and stuff, but I really feel like there's someone that walked in this room and you feel like you're at a dead end. And it's kind of like you went down a one-way, dead-end, cul-de-sac street, and you feel like you can't get out. And Father wants you to know, if you walked in this room this morning, and for some reason in your heart or your situation or your circumstance, you feel like, man, I'm at a dead end. Father has a way. He will make a way through the desert. He will make a way through the wilderness. You just listen to him. He will speak to you and he's going to show you his secret way out that no one knows about and your enemy can't follow you out. Okay? So, amen. 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 I also, uh, you know, let the... I just wanted to re-emphasize what it means to be a child and take those things that you heard today and really... Don't let the enemy try and steal that from you. Because I think that's what will happen. You'll leave today and the enemy's just going to try and take that right back. And you need to just hang on to that. No, I'm a child of God. And, and just really read through those passages and get a hold of what it means to be his child. And how much he loves you and how much he's pursued you. And, and his desire is to just be in relationship with you. So make sure you hang on to that. I don't want the enemy to steal that from you. That's, that's something that he had for you today. No coincidence you're here. Some of you needed to hear that you're his child. How about this? You're his favorite. Yes. 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 Well, God, you're awesome. And, and we do love you, uh, so much. And, uh, what a great God. It all starts by knowing Jesus, okay? If you, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, here's how you, you just say, Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? He's done all the hard work. He's amazing. It, that's, that's his desire for relationship. He's done it all at the cross and in the resurrection. Our part is just to confess with our mouth. Believe in our heart. Confess with our mouth. Jesus is Lord. If you've never done it, do it today. Absolutely the best decision you will ever make in your life. And so if you haven't done that, Do that now. Thanks again, church, for your amazing generosity. We bless you for that, for your faithfulness to giving, tithing, offering, all the things that you do. And we're so thankful for that. Let's sing the doxology, and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. We'll see you soon. If you're heading out, please go out these doors. They'll be open for you. Have a great day and bless your neighbors and be blessed. And God bless you guys. And thanks for watching online. We love you guys. And, uh, Great message today. Hope you enjoyed that, you know, about what it means to be a child of God. Thank you, Pastor Billy, for that. Next week, hopping into a new series on the Gospel of John. If you can, read John 18, 19, 20 this week, because we're going to hit it hard next week. God bless you guys.